All right, folks, welcome to uh, Biomass. This is not episode 53. It is, in fact, the episode 1 plus Avengers, uh, or the episode that was 54 but is now 3. But we're going to do some interesting math at some point, and we'll do it publicly so you can all grade us on it. Uh, it'll be awesome. So uh, for the episode that is not 53 but perhaps 54, and we're not really sure what episode it is, but we had this long conversation before the show, I've said every number that I think I have in my pocket. So let's get started. Uh, on that note, uh, we're going to we're gonna talk a little bit about Hotfix 1.1 tonight, and we're going to probably talk some uh, random other stuff, I think. Uh, I think there's a bit of good news on the forums. I think Zell's got some great news about Legion. He's going to drop on us in here in a little bit. We, we're all waiting with bated breath. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get our shout-out shout intros in the way. Gosh, this is starting off to be a grease fire. So uh, we're going to go ahead and start with our uh, intros, and we're going to go from the bottom to the top. So Sarizel, please lead us off. Yeah, I'm Sarizel, a member of uh, CPM1, a co-host here on the show, and an editor on the blog. Outstanding, Pokey. I'm Pokey Draven from OHG Planetary Operations. I am a co-host here on the show and also an editor and writer for the blog. Good deal. And JD? Uh, Jedek Menaheim, CEO of Zerk Cloud Consortium and maker of things. True that, Bate. I am Ivo Bate, uh, director at Demonic Cowboys and writer for the Biomass blog. Outstanding, and I'm Jason Larison. I'm a member of OSG Planetary Operations on the dust side, and I fly in EVE with Agony Empire, uh, a.k.a. Agony Unleashed. Uh, all right, so we've got an interesting show because we did have a hot fix that came out that uh, hit on some very interesting things. Inter guys, got to mark my words. i got to use the word interesting a lot less this show. I'm going to try to figure out how to can cancel on that one. So um, they did talk a little bit about Apex Suits uh, in the hot picks, and I think that's one of the, the more... Uh, discussed around piece in terms of what is the function of the Apex suit and really what is it doing for us now. Uh, I actually like the change, but we'll get into that. Uh, I think we had a couple of other items in the hot fix, uh, and we're going to let uh, Zell kind of go down some of those uh, items and actions. I barely remember what happened in the hot fix. All right. <laughs> I'll start it off. Check your Skype. I made a list. I'll start it off. No, I got the, I got the article open. We got a blog now. So. By the way, I'd, I'd like to, to give my plug in for... Uh, you know, Joe's Truck and Tow, a.k.a. the Podcasting 101 University that we all went to and paid a phenomenal amount of tuition to to learn how to operate at this high of a level. So just this remember, is, this Joe, is a, Joe's this is Truck a, and Tow and Podcasting. This is a very, very professional operation. Um, we're, we're clearly one of the most professional outfits covering CCP games, um, short of, like, you know, the Matani.com itself. Um, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, there was, there was a hotfix deployed. Um, a few days ago, it kind of it kind of just like happened. It, it wasn't announced ahead of it really being uh, pushed out. Um, the biggest thing uh, was that uh, apex suits were changed so that uh, you can actually fit change the fittings on them. Um, you, they're they're still pretty limited in that you shouldn't theoretically be able to get too far above um, your same standard equipment you're used to um, from a, a power grid and CPU uh, specification. And the other, of course, ability is for you to apply the new skins to them. Um, and then the other thing they did was um, they moved PG mods to use C to uh, high slots, and they have a CPU cost. And then Ooh. CPU Ooh. CPU mods, Ooh. which used to not have any cost, now have a PG cost, and are of course still in the low slots. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I wasn't. That was a really drastic change that I was not expecting. Um, 
but uh, it's interesting. And in, in a certain respect, it makes some sense. But um, clearly, there are some dissenters um, uh, for that change. It's that feeling you get when you log on and you don't realize that that's been changed. And every and one all, of your fits is broken. Every one of your fittings doesn't work. Yeah. I'm pretty sure every one of my fits are broken. Yep, that's, that's, yeah, I think all of my fits have CPUs in, in those, and I need to fix that now. Um, but, uh, and then the other big thing was that they have uh, handled myofibrils. Um, they're now capped at three modules now, so you can no longer stack five of them and go flying across the map. I wanted to go to the moon. Why did you take it from me? The moon. Yeah, there, there were various other tweaks I didn't care about too. I should mention that. Well, what one that I like is the tweak to the remote explosive throw distance. They basically shortened the throw distance on the normal type and increased it on the packed type, which is the small radius, large damage one, mostly for use on vehicles, which I think is probably welcome because people hate remotes being used as grenades, and this should probably help uh, tone that down a bit. Yeah. Until people start throwing packed res. As grenades instead of standard ones. It's like a two meter radius. There, it's not going to be a big problem. All right, then everyone. I think uh, remotes from an elevated position might still be a bit of a drama, but I don't. I actually don't mind that all that much. It's, it's the ones. It's the the scouts that like can run by at about you know nine meters per second, and then fling them like a frisbee. That's the that's the ones that really are aggravating. So. Let's. Uh, I guess we can go ahead and start doing a, a tad of a deep dive on some of this. Uh, what do you guys think about just kind of open-ended question to the group? What do you guys think about the changes to the ape suits? And I, well, I guess the, let me, in order to frame the question, d does anybody here not have at least one apex suit? I have zero apex suits. I should. I should mention that. Okay. okay well, we, we just established that apex suits are the base standard for being cool and dust. All right. Yeah, so, I figured that was the case, but um, <laughs> I, I just, you know, I, I don't want, I didn't want to spend that much money. I didn't feel like it would be that important to me because I just drop advanced or proto suits as necessary. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, as I look back on when the Apex suits came out, um, I was very sketchy on putting out that much Orum to pick up an Apex suit. Because it was, you know, it was locked, and there was there there was a lot of stuff. I was like, ah, I really don't like the fits on it either. Uh, but I, I went ahead and got one. Uh, I had a bunch of worm laying around, so I went ahead and I basically spent almost all of the worm I had I had hoarded up over the last year. Um, and the Apex suits in their current iteration now with the 1.1 hotfix um, is what I really wish that they had been when they first came out. I think they're definitely worth. Their value is clearly increased as opposed to what they were, you know, like a week ago. I, I will definitely say that. My concern mostly stems from the fact that what's the, the difference now between a, a standard BPO with its standard slot layout and then the Apex suit with a prototype slot layout? And I'm, I'm almost wondering if this might be actually a, a good prompt to kind of push for a standardized slot layout for all tiers because at this point, um, you since the apex is editable, I mean, there's obviously some limitations with fitting, but you could argue that they might be better, like a straight up upgrade from a standard uh, BPO now, which could be kind of problematic. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I am a bit worried about that personally. Um, my view my view is that it's okay for an apex suit to be better than standard, and it probably kind of is better than standard, 
but that it should be it needs to be at the very least inferior to any fit you can accomplish with an advanced suit. Uh it's pretty much yeah, I would say it's pretty much in that niche. Um I, I don't think that's I, I certainly don't think they're OP. I mean what they've effectively done is they they give you something better to work with than a starter fit, you know. Uh and if you remember how these were marketed, it was really tailored towards basically newer players. At least that's how a lot of the uh, the published marketing reference reference this was. Uh, it's like, hey, buy your proto suit now and you can grow into it next X, Y, and Z. I, I like them. They're not bad. I mean, but my beef with them, I've got three of them. I've got three Logi suits, the uh, the Cal, the Gal, and the Minmatar Logi. And it, no I just love really for dig- the slave, slave Masters, huh? Nah, I, just don't, I just don't really dig their suits. Uh, it, it just doesn't do anything for me. And plus, and, well, here's the real deal. Uh, what it what, what it also tells me, and this is a, a total aside on this one, but if you really want to know the value of an individual piece of equipment uh, or weapon system, when you pare everything down to the apex suit level, which is basically standard gear across the board, and it's where your skills matter or where the innate capabilities of the piece of equipment or the weapon are, weapon is, that really tells you like which ones work well. And and then how that generally tends to grow linearly as you skill up or you have better suit bonuses and things like that. The rep tool, like I'll, I'll tell you right now, the Min Matar Logi suit with that rep tool and the bonus you get from the Min Logi bonus, which applies to all your Apex suits, I can take that suit and go into almost any match other than you know a f- you know pretty pretty competitive, not quite PC match, and I can do very well with that Minmatar Logi suit, which is basically all standard gear, but because of the rep tool and the bonus I get to it, I'm, I'm crushing it. Uh, so it really tells you what works and what doesn't. I can tell you, like, at least that's, that's just my observation. The ability to drop the, uh, like a Krenz damage mod on the Galente suits now, uh, is pretty handy because they had a really shits, you know, high, high slot layout. My only beef for the Logi suits is I wish that you could move the equipment around. At least that, if you can, I certainly haven't figured out how because I just like them laid out differently when I'm when I'm playing. Uh, I'm not. Look, I haven't went out and bought a bunch of BPOs so that I can you know, restock them fully and stuff. But they're pretty they're pretty handy now that you can swap things in and out. Like I was able to drop like a a Dren assault rifle on the uh, on like the Gal Logi because I don't like the breech AR that kind of stuff. It, it gives you just enough flexibility so you don't feel totally hemmed in by the fit. Uh, and it's still pretty throttled back in terms of power, uh, in terms of what you get for CP and PGU, or CPU and PG, excuse me. Yeah, I picked up a, a Min Scout Apex the other day, and I, I'd forgotten completely about this, but they, uh, because of the no skill fitting requirements, they made the cloak. Um, requires zero CPU and PGU. So, I mean, that was kind of a surprise that really helped give like an added flexibility to the suit when I was adding extra modules to it. Yeah, I could see, definitely see that helping. But, I mean, uh, it's been brought up in the forums. Um, Tati's discussing this about uh, making your uh, CPU and PG skills not apply to the suits because it's been causing some some problems with people being able to fit like like major prototype weapons on their stuff. Uh, I don't, I think I I saw some of that too. And and I guess my general thoughts on that are that's fine, but isn't, wasn't that the original point of the apex suit is that you get something that you can access almost at day, basically day one. And then it becomes 
progressively more powerful as you skill up. I mean, isn't that the whole point of it? Well, your your weapons would still be powerful, but um, just the the fitting bonuses that you have for other things wouldn't apply. But I mean, yeah, I know it's a it's a mixed bag. Well, I mean, look at it this way: when it, correct me if I'm wrong, the assault suits get a CPU PGU uh, cut to light weapons, right? Yeah. So why would why would that? That's like the base. Um, I mean, that, that is that is one of the most significant bonuses that it actually gets. In fact, you could you could argue that. Uh, for the for at least the Galente and the Caldari assault, those are more important than the actual racial bonuses they get. And it's also for the heavies as well to get that similar bonus. Yeah, and that's I think that's kind of my thought is I don't I actually like that that I like the fact that it it progresses with you in, in a very parallel fashion. I don't, and I think if we get too cute trying to tweak them here or constrain them there and, and make them more flexible over here, that it 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 may get a bit jumbled. It's it's a fairly simple solution right now, and and to be very frank, it's the most stark way to show somebody what skill progression can do in terms of your ability to to operate a a, a piece of equipment, a weapon, or a module. You were uh, talking earlier about the standard, the standardized uh, slot layout for the uh, for the Apex suit. You want to expand on that a little bit? Well, you just mean like tier side in general. I knew that yeah, word that was word coming. coming. That word had to be dropped. Uh, I had to. Well, well Iron Wolf's in here, so I have to do it for him. <laughs> yeah. Um. Explain what you mean, because in my mind, it's uh, all suits for advanced are going to have you know uh, three high slots, uh, three low slots. Uh, two equipment slots and you know so forth and so on is that what you're talking about no 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 um basically in, in short it would just be that all suits have the same slot layout as prototype but between the tiers there's a difference in how much pg and cpu they have so lower tiered suits can't uh equip proto stuff because they don't have the resources for it i see i see i see okay interesting yeah i think that's a better way to approach um to approach tier aside in all honesty, and it, and it gives you a good tool with the Apex suits the way they are now as a baseline for it. Uh, I, I think it's actually I think it's actually not a bad idea. I would really like them to, to maybe run some numbers and explore it a little bit. I'm not sure what you'd really have to cap the CPU and PG. You'd have to do some real fine fine tooth comb work on the uh, on a lot of different setups to understand what you're getting into. But to me, that seems just a very uh, a very natural way of doing it, uh, and, and it also a very simple way, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, we said from the start when Apex suits were first announced that it would be a really good exploration to what tier side would look like because you've got a prototype suit, but it has very limited resources and can't fit. You know, you couldn't change the fit, so you had standard equipment on. So that would represent basically what a standard BPO would look like, where it had the proto slots but standard amounts of PG and CPU. So I, the fact that they're allowing us to edit them now, it starts to kind of fall into that territory of what standard normal BPOs could be, but obviously having the added benefit of having BPO modules already fit to it. So, you know, you, you could pick this thing up and, and run with it, you know, completely free, whereas 
with a standard BPO, you'd have to either fit BPO modules that you also owned or put, you know, actual ISK or Aura model modules on there to, to make it work. So, I mean, I can still see some some difference in the, the value between the two. Apex certainly has its advantages, if especially if you're just trying to go for a, you know, cheap, quick and dirty suit that, that's fully BPO and you don't want to have to buy BPO modules or anything like that, or if you just don't have them. Whereas the the standard BPOs that we currently have that are non-Apex would, you know, be equally as flexible, have lots of slots, but obviously not pre-fit. So you'd have to you know, actually fork out some money for that. No, I think you're, uh, I may be a little bit biased because you and I have talked about this, the, uh, this version of TerraCide for a long time, but I, I, just, I think it's a, a very simple and elegant way of doing it because the minute you start jacking around with slot, the actual numbers of slots on stuff, it just, it, it just introduces so many variables, which in a way is not bad, but I think in the state of where the game is right now, simple solutions that you can tweak uh, to give different flavor by suit or something, but simple solutions work better right now than trying to, to go through multiple multiple suits by weight class, by race, uh, in terms of how slot layouts work and all this other stuff. Now, the, the, other, the other option that you could go with is literally um, almost like by weight class. You by weight class and by uh, you know race racials, which is close to what they have now, but tweak it a little bit and just make it the same. So all medium frames, no matter what, get the same. All heavy frames get the same, you know, and so forth and so on. That's that's probably closer to what we have now. But I think the apex. You, you know the tier side option you know flavored by the apex suit it might end up being closer to, to what is uh i think where the game is going right now if that makes sense well another interesting thing that uh i've heard people uh, have concerns about the idea of, of the, the slot tier side and that uh players could take a cheap suit and then put pg and cpu modules on it to boost the resources up to you know near proto levels and then just fill their you know main rack with proto defenses and basically end up with a a very cheap you know sort of proto-esque suit but with this change to the pg and the cpu mods now that they have an associated cost with them i I think that actually kind of helps counteract that effect a bit so that that also could help with you know uh stopping that sort of exploitation from happening. So again, I think it'd be interesting to certainly explore. I know some people have done some pretty good work on the forums, looking at comparisons between what a standard suit would look like with the current slots versus with the the prototype slots. And I, I think that people should definitely take a look at that because it's, it's interesting stuff. And I think that it could be really good for the game, uh, putting more emphasis on player ability rather than just overwhelming, uh, you know, suit power, which we currently have. I mean, the difference between a, a proto suit and a standard suit is, is pretty, pretty huge um, when you actually look at the numbers. So I think this could be a good thing overall. And I, I would, you know, in my personal opinion, press for people to actually you know take a good look at it and form an opinion about it, and you know either say yay or nay on the subject. Um, I I could I could kind of see that it's I, I'm I don't know that I'm I'm entirely I'm entirely sold on that on that point of view yet. Uh, I'd I'd have to kind of think through that, but I, I there, there's a part of me where I'm I'm like you do have to leave some level of creativity for niche fits niche fits uh or kind of those really high-end glass cannons like and if you try to put a proto weapon on an apex suit that's literally a glass cannon um 
I kind of like the idea that you have that wiggle room to do some of those kind of things because like, so you, so what you put a proto tank on an apex suit, how's that? That's still not as good as a proto suit, you know, and yes, it would be cheaper, but I, I don't, I'm less enamored of ISK right now because there's ultimately nothing to do with the ISK other than just buy stuff. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, like fungibles that you're using in the match. It's not like you're, I, I mean, I, I guess now that there's some really basic level of trading, you can you can introduce other things you can do with ISK to, to be interesting. But I don't know. I, maybe it's just me, but I think we can, I think I'd rather keep it simple first and then maybe we could, we could branch out. I don't want to put too many uh, bells and whistles on the Apex quite yet. But that's, that's literally just, that's just purely my opinion though. Yeah, no, I honestly don't think it's going to be that much of an issue. I'm just saying that I've I've heard that concern voice before, and I think that some of the changes to the the PGCP mods will actually kind of help counteract that that concern. So that's all I was saying. No, that's fair. Um, curious, like, have you guys picked up any skins yet? Got my Thucker skin. Ah, oh, you did. Oh, yeah, I feel cool. like I'm a jumping cow. <laughs> nice. They're still too expensive for me. I'm not going to spend ten bucks on them. Yeah, they're they're just outside the the sweet spot for a price point. Uh, I, I really I really wish that they had kept it to about five bucks, five to six bucks, and maybe have different tiers. Like you know, the really baseline one could be, you know, two or three bucks. Like the legacy ones, like you know the the legacy uh, BPOs, those could be you know like three bucks or something, two or three bucks. And then like the really nice, the classy pirate ones or the you know the the factioning ones could be you know, six or seven. I, I just think 10 bucks is for the amount of time you get to see it and interact with it. It's just, it's, it's just not there. It is the, the cost, uh, you know, the benefit of it isn't, isn't worth it right now. Speaking of the legacy ones, uh, are those available in the loyalty store yet? I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think this think coming week they're coming out. out. Yes. Okay, cool. I wonder if we'll get newsletter skins, like <laughs> release something that, on that the 14th. Cool for the newsletter. I, I tell you what, it, that would be. See, it just dawned on me like the skins is a gr again, it's a great low cost way to have high impact on the community. With like, if they released like a, a Mordu's Legion skin on you know Dust Five One Four Day, you know that kind of thing, uh, or you you were part of a contest where you got to help design like the next skin or something like that. Th there's just that gives you so many options. And now the cool thing is if they could ever figure it out, figure out a way where you could do some space Barbie action, um, where you could interact a little bit more than the 30 seconds in the war barge. I, I think that would be the, you know, the absolute bomb diggity. Uh, Cause that's the whole purpose of getting those sort of vanity items is to, is to kind of show them off, frankly. Yeah. I, I, I definitely would like to see something like, at least like within your corp, like a, a corp hangout area, that sort of thing would be really, really cool. I think I think uh, Luther said that when Rotati was on. I, I like the idea of the lobby you go back to isn't your uh, isn't your personal Merc quarters necessarily. It's like it's it's basically yeah. a war barge that it's where everybody that's in your corp or you know whatever whatever structure that you have that's where they're all sitting at when they're not in match. Yeah, I mean I think it would make sense particularly at some point, and we I know we've discussed it in the past. Um, but just like you know, if we get that the corporate war barge, con you know, thing as part of PC, the PC work and that sort of thing, to actually to someday expand that into like a construct that you're standing on, you know, um, during uh, 
you know, your off time, that you maybe your quarters are now on your corporate barge instead of at some station you don't give a crud about. Um, that sort of thing would be really cool. I think that would be pretty, pretty, pretty sporty, actually. Uh, I think I think there's a lot of stuff they could do with it, but I mean, you're talking the, to the one big fan of Incarna. Um, in no, the I know. Community, and, so. <laughs> and trust me, I'm, I'm with you on that. But I, I do, I do like the skins, uh, and they did a really good job on some of them. By the way, the few that I've seen walking around look really, really good. I've been very impressed with them. I just think they're, I think the price point is not helping them. And, and in all honesty, I, I tend to. I think with Pokey, I think you call it the little big planet model. Uh, if you if you lower the cost where they're accessible, you'll get to a point where people will buy a lot of them, uh, and I think that that evens out. Uh, at least that's, that's just me. Yeah, I mean, if they were five bucks, I'd probably buy two. They're still getting ten bucks out of me, and really, there's no cost per item for them. So, yeah, I, I, I much prefer the lower price a lot of quantity model rather than we'll just sell a few for really high, which is kind of what dust has had for a long time. And it's also been the reason why I don't buy a lot of uh, those higher price items. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, and, and that's feedback that I've conveyed myself. And there's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if they did like 50% off sale for like a certain skin every week, that'd be really legit too. Cause I'd probably pick up certain ones depending on the that'd week. Be, that'd and, be pretty cool. You know. That's what, uh, that's what I know. Here's the storm does. They'd have like one hero and two skins, um, each week, um, from like Tuesday to Tuesday. That's half off. Only, yeah, on, it's only half off for the, it's only half off for the cash value for like the heroes. They don't get the, the if you're buying them with in-game currency, they don't get cut off. It's just, just the cash value gets cut. Right. Everything Heroes of Swarm tune into the Buy My Blog. <laughs> it's the only non-Dust article right now on, on our blog is, is that it's I did a Heroes of the Storm this. article. No, that, I mean, like I said, uh, it's uh, the model that they have. If they're, if you're going to go with, like, full Monty microgens actions, you need to really, um, you need to really approach it from a quantity over quality. Then you have a certain quality section where you're going to have whales like Denny that are going to cough up like major money uh, for, you know, for that kind of stuff. He strikes me as the kind of guy that would, you know, pay three to $400 a month for Candy Crush. But Jay, there was also that Hoopla <laughs> Eve side that, uh, with uh, the Eve skins bug. That was kind of interesting to follow. Oh, yeah. You yeah. could put like any skin on any ship for a while. Yeah. And those yeah. skins are more expensive than the ones in Dust. Yeah, their value, their Orum value in Eve is is definitely different than it is for us. Yeah, and the big thing is their skins, um, cost wise, they range based on um, the size of the ship. Like frigate skins are really cheap, and like the skin that I looked at for my like to put on my carrier, I I was I, I may make my carrier a quaif carrier. I'm thinking about it, um, <laughs> but it's a it's a pretty hefty price tag to to skin a carrier. Are the Eve skins BPOs as well? Um, they are. Um, the way they work, though, is um, so like with dust, you have like your skin is like a, a an item, and presumably you can trade it at any time. Whereas um, it's a in Eve, it's a license, and that license is an item that you can trade. But once you apply the license to your character, it unlocks that skin on that ship for your character permanently. But not but, all of them are permanent. Um... Yeah, Some they have, are like thirty they have, days. Yeah, they have the ability to do non non permanent ones to get so that they can drop in um, in loot rewards or give out or something like that. But the 
most anything you purchase is permanent, and a lot a lot of the old legacy um, skins that people had on on like which were like just custom ships or whatever, those turned into permanent skins as well. Um, but the big thing with those is once you apply them, you're activating, you're you're tying them to your character at that point. So whereas I think you could sell a dust skin at any time after you're tired of using that. Okay. Yeah, I actually kind of like the way that the the Eve side did it. Uh, it's a tradable item. It works basically like a an article of clothing in Eve. It, until you apply it to the character, you can trade it and move it around, and it's got value and all that kind of good stuff. Um, so I, I kind of like that idea, but that was definitely built to some degree with a market in mind. Or at least they understood that they had this backdrop of that market, and they needed to move the skins that way as a as a commodity. Uh, so I, I do. Kind well, of I mean, the like difference that. is that in Eve, Eve, once you use it once, it's permanent. It you can no longer sell it. Whereas in Dust, you can always go back and still sell it. Yeah, the better. I mean, they call them. You know, they do call them license, but the better way to, that it actually applies is like a skill book because it. The yeah. way the game technically reads it is, it's literally it's like a skill that you have on your character. Yeah, it's actually one of those weird things. Um, and this is the thing they're actually working on changing with Eve is that right now, um, you're. Skill books are always an item, and it's like at when you inject the skill, it's actually not like applying it to your character so much as it's moving it to a folder, like an inventory folder called Brain. Um, but it's actually still considered an item because <laughs> everything in in Eve is is considered a physical item, practically. The brain in the box testing that was going on a little yeah, while that's, back. Yeah, that's that's the change they're working on. They're they're actually they were just testing it on CC like a week ago or something, and that concept is to move all that off to another server and have it managed. You know, it should make latency much less of a problem. Hmm. Okay. Uh, let's see. Anything else for one point one that's on your guys' mind? Uh, the myofibril uh, changes kind of interesting. I mean, toning them down to three. Um, I would like to see them buff the uh, the damage properties of the the melee mods. I mean, I'm fine with having it like capped around three. I mean, I, I would wouldn't mind a boost in my melee damage. I could see that. I mean, that wouldn't be too bad. It looks like uh, Rotati added a slot to all the LEDs and added an additional twenty five percent to PG CPU, which is good because they were worthless after that change. So. I think it's a uh, it's a stopgap measure till a proper rebuild of the LEDs, but overall, it's it'll help at least in the meantime to make them not so uh, explodey the second you drop them. <laughs> they they still pop really nice. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the LEDs need some some serious work. They're kind of a mess right now, but uh, this should help for making them a little more viable in the meantime. <laughs> There's also some minor tweaks to uh, looks like vehicle turrets. Uh, it looks like. Miss large missile turrets. The reload has been uh, reload time has been reduced, so they reload a little bit faster. Uh, large blasters do more heat damage, which or sorry has more heat cost. Uh, that will be interesting. Uh, he's changed armor hardener and shield hardener activation delay from one to two. I can only imagine that means that there's a, a longer delay between you know hitting the module and actually having the effect kick in, which is again interesting. Uh, shield hardener. Recharge. I'm not sure what that actually means. Um, lowered the railgun heat cost, so you can probably fire four instead of three shots at the railgun. That's good. Uh, increased the large blaster reload time. 
fix the militia armor hardener to make it to 40% to 25%. And I think that's it for, for vehicles. Yeah, nah, I don't. I don't know much about the. Uh, well, I can't speak too intelligently about some of the tank changes, but I can tell you that any any work done to labs is is probably positive. I, I don't know that they can make them much worse. Uh, well, I, yeah, I take that back. I'm, I'm sure they can, but this is CCP here. Come on, I'm with you. I'm with you. But generally, anything that they do to them is going to be better. Okay, let's see. Um, what else do we have on the docket for tonight uh, as we're scrambling and groping for topics? Um, I did actually do my homework and saw Avengers Age of Ultron. That was pretty legit. Oh, good. I'm glad, glad you're uh, caught up on that. Uh, pretty solid. Yeah. Solid I was film. Very Entertaining. I was very impressed by it. Yeah, same here. It was uh, really quite good. I was, I was mentioning this to JDEC before the show. Um, Avengers Age of Ultron is... The, like that's really the reason that you have an integrated cinematic universe for like a, you know, like a huge sort of, you know, like the mythos or the lore that that's behind the comic books, you know, which is, you know, in many cases, 70 years deep, but that is the reason that movie is literally a great example of why you should have a uh, integrated cinematic universe or integrated uh, media uh, universe. Let me put it that way, because you didn't spend, you know, an hour and a half, you know, a thirty to forty-five minutes out of the two-hour movie, movie trying to figure out how did the hero get his power and his powers and how do you get the team together. They just like full at you, like in the first thirty seconds of the uh, of the movie, everything's fully established and it blends really, really nicely from all the different things that they do around that one movie, just in the other, other movies, the TV show, like the comics. Are, 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 do, you, do you watch the TV show too? Or I, I have on occasion. I, I am, I am not as, I am not up to date on it. Cause they, they uh, do, they do, uh, you know, milk the tie-ins there. Um, oh yeah. especially, you know, they, they're for this one. Um, you know, there was, uh, there, there's there's a line, and I'm I'm trying to be like as non-spoilery as possible because I know like people there are some, well, some countries here's, who don't here's have the it. Reality, we've already we've already you've you've got it released globally right now. No, it's not it's not globally mm, released. You sure um, about that? Yeah, um, I I believe, who doesn't have it? I believe the folks in China have to wait like a couple more months. I'm gonna well no that's not accurate because Rattati said that he's already seen Avengers. Okay, uh, um, I don't know what he did then. He he might have pirated it because <laughs> I I talked to. Uh, I asked Frame about it. Frame said he, that they didn't get to see it yet, that they weren't going to for months. Um, Impu was saying something about that last week, I think. Right? I remember some some other country said something about um, July. I don't, I don't know. Um, but it, anyways, um, no, there's there was a comment, and and I wish they would have found a way to actually get like the TV characters cameoed in for it for part of it. But um, uh, Fury said he, he accomplished a certain thing with the help of some friends. Um, and the TV show is, of course, the friends involved. Um, but uh, uh, so to move move from Avengers a bit is actually the other big news that I thought was um, very interesting on the DC side of things and why I think that they should just give up and stop making movies and just go make TV shows because they're far better at it is um, for next year now, in addition to your Arrow and your Flash, there and then we already knew they were making a... Um, the same same producers are making Supergirl, which is going to be on CBS, and that's gotten officially officially picked up for next fall. Um, they're also they also announced a show that's called Legends of Tomorrow, which is going to be on CW next year, um, and it has 
some characters from that have been introduced on Flash and some characters that have been introduced on Arrow and some new characters. And so that's all going to be, there's going to be like four shows made by the same producers all in the DC universe crossing over back and forth. Yeah, and they, it's not broody and boring like um, Man of Steel and the, the Superman v. Batman trailer. Uh, okay. Well, uh, aside from the editorial pieces, I, I would, that you just laid out there, I would, I would, I would agree with you that they are much better at making TV programming than movie programming. For whatever reason, they do a very good job of that. Um, I, I, I think The Flash is pretty good. I think Arrow is pretty good. Uh, and they, they can take it in a lot of different directions. I, I think they have learned how to do TV well over the years. Uh, that, that's my opinion. And Marvel is, has tried in fits and starts to do TV every once in a while. And it just for whatever reason, it Marvel doesn't is, pan yeah, out very well. I mean, I enjoy I enjoy Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a lot, but it's not on the same quality grade, I would say. Um, it's not what I've, you know, the, the high bar I've come to expect from Joss Whedon, and it's not the high bar I've come to expect from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, it's good, but it's not, it's not hitting the bar for either. Um, whereas the DC shows are really impressive. And one of the things that actually I'm very, you know, disappointed with is the fact that they chose not to base or even try and connect their movies to um, the TV shows, because I think they, they actually have a huge advantage coming through from the TV shows to compete with Marvel, because they're able to tell so many more stories um, in in that strong TV environment. I, th- I think to a degree, but they've, they've already caught some flack that the guy who is going to be the Flash in the upcoming movie is not the same guys on the TV, and, and, the, and the TV character is very popular. So there's a little bit of a drawback in that if you want to bring out A-list characters on the TV, it it gives you know it can muddy the waters for you. Well, I I just don't know why they're so they it's so important for them to cast a quote unquote movie actor um, for their movies. I mean, cast the TV people, bring them in. No, no, well, that's what everybody that's what everybody's saying yeah. is that they should have brought the the guy in that's playing Barry Allen now to yeah. play the Flash in the movie. In fact, Absolutely. the guy that's playing the Flash in the movie, like I. Like I had to actually IMDb the guy to figure out who the hell he was. I was like, I, he's certainly not a big name. Yeah, and and even with you know the the traces they have for um, whatever Affleck, um, you know, you're when you deal with the the quote unquote movie actors, you're paying them a heck of a lot more for often not really a better portrayal of the character than you would get off of a TV actor. Um, in the in the case like in a lot in a lot of cases, I think movies need certain movie actors because you go see a movie because you know, uh, Morgan Freeman's in that movie, so, you know, we like Morgan Freeman movies, so let's go see that. Um, but, uh, you know, when it comes to a, a comic book genre, you, you go for the character more than you go for the actors who are who have been picked to portray them, and I, I, I don't know why they, they would need to go with movie-grade actors for this. Well, I think, uh, well, comic book movies are finally coming out. Uh, they're still kind of in this sort of period where, they almost feel like I, I think that they feel like they need a established actor to give them some level of uh, not validity, but for for people to quote unquote take them serious. Because uh, if you don't have somebody that somebody an established actor signing onto the to it, you're you're not. I'm, I think they they might run into some issues. At least I think they're starting to go away from that. They can get kind of creative with some stuff, but there's always going to be a little bit of that unless you have an established player. In some of these, at least in one role, like some kind of marquee role, you might might not get the hype that you would otherwise get. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's right, by the way. I'm just I, that's my guess, anyway. 
Now, I will did want to take one quick issue with. Um, I, I did not find Man of Steel boring. I just I thought it was a very different kind of movie, uh, and it also highlighted the difference in DC movies and Marvel movies. Is uh, DC movies they, you know, it, it's somewhat public knowledge they've put out a uh, bit of a fatwa, you know, that they want they they tend to want them to be much more serious than the Marvel movies. Whereas the Marvel movies, I think really really work hard at being the comic book on screen if that makes sense yeah that's pretty fair i think that the uh, more recent avengers movie had quite a bit of humor in it and it probably appealed to a wider audience while still maintaining a, a fairly serious over uh overtone i just i just you know superman snapping next man i just i just can't go with it i'm sorry it's not gonna it doesn't work for me well, it didn't work for a whole lot of people, uh, in all honesty. Uh, I think that was probably one of the things that they definitely could have done differently in that movie. Uh, by and large, though, I was I thought it was pretty good. Now, what what I found interesting about the um, the the trailer, I went back and did a little bit of homework. So, not only does it have a lot of shades of The Dark Knight Returns, which is just a, a seminal like kind of graphic novel uh, that really kind of culminates with a Batman versus Superman kind of event that you see foreshadowed in the trailer. But the, the movie, the current movie, excuse me, the one that we're referring to in the trailer, it really has a lot of shades of um, this. It was a video game that came out. I've got, I've got, I've got it somewhere over here. Um, There was all these DC heroes and kind of this alternate universe of if one little thing had changed, you know, uh, how, how, Many of the characters would have been different, uh, and for the it's not it's not. Uh, gosh, I cannot think of the name of it. I've literally got it. I'm gonna have to go dig it out in a second. But a lot of the characterizations that you see, um, like when Superman was, they were referring to him to God, or uh, not really sure if he's good or evil. And then you saw like those guys genuflecting to him. That's like almost right out of that uh, that video game. So we are, we're now a comic book podcast. I think we should uh, specify that somewhere. Yes, what's this dust game? Tell me Best this. podcast ever. Pokey just wants to go eat dinner because he hasn't yet. <laughs> no, we, we can talk about Dust 512 or whatever it's called. Yeah, Dust, dust 512, that's right. That's right. Awesome. Um, games Injustice. Sorry, yeah. I, just, I, had to, I had to get up and walk over to my shelf. It's bugging the hell out of me. It's the Games Injustice. It's actually really good. And by the way. An outstanding comic book tie-in. It's got a really, it's got a, a long run. <laughs> We're back in comic books again. No, um, okay. So there was a um, half the silence, the the really awkward like two minute silence just there, just completely would have got will get cut out, which is great. Um, but uh, no, so the there was an article I read and I forgot where I got it. I think I got it from uh, massively, uh, uh, mass- or massively, massively op, op as blog now. Um, and it was posted on Ten Ton Hammer, and it was an interview with Nathan Richardson, formerly known as CCP Over, who used to be an executive producer of EVE and maybe some involvement with Dust, I guess, in the early ages, talking about his current project, which is Eternal Crusade. And, and QJ here, but I'm going to cut him off and um, continue my my. Thing on the article, which is, I guess, that Eternal Crusade is going to have uh, region-locked servers as opposed to what Dust does, which is allow, in, particularly in certain game modes, for it to be played uh, by players all over the world in the same match. Um, mostly for the reasons of lag, which is 
totally understandable given the concerns with dust and how how it plays. Um, but I found it in particular humor that uh, the article author referred to him as being of dust five one two and defiance fame, um, which was also funny because I didn't even remember who he was and had to look it up. Now he, um, he CCP Ovira was he's been around for a while actually, um, and he was one of the original folks that was heading up dust or if not heading it up he had a, a large hand in dust earlier uh and he also obviously had a hand in defiance by the way both of those not exactly ground breaking you know fps mmos um the 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 thing that i would caution people about this i i'm a big i'm a i love war, you know warhammer 40k uh cross cross the two does as well i mean him if we're actually part of the founders pack sort of like the the pre-alpha group on uh, Eternal Crusade. The deal is that the the previous EP they had, this guy named Miguel Caron, was he was literally the gold standard for how do you do collaborative development of a game and share stuff. He was a very very impressive guy uh, in terms of dealing with the community and everything that he said. The team would literally turn and deliver on. Like if you, if you, and they would do live Twitch streams, like where you'd like interact with them live uh, on the net. And if he committed to something to a player right then, bet you could write it down that within about a week or two weeks or whatever, whatever the time frame that the the actual lead dev that was sitting next to him, whatever Patrick, his name was Patrick Balthazar, whatever Patrick would would give him is like, I think we can do that in three weeks. Sure as shit. In three 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 weeks later, on the next Twitch event, they were like, "Yeah, and we were able to change this or do X, Y, and Z." Uh, it was and it was not gimmicky at all. Uh, but their original vision was to have these sort of mega battles. Think planet side, but bigger. Uh, kind of roughly in the you know thousand person per battle kind of kind of area. And they actually had the technology to do it. Uh, and they've demonstrated it before. The issue is when this guy came on, when the, when CCP Ovir came on, aka Nathan Richardson, everything about the game instantly started to look a lot like the words that were being used with Dust three, four years ago. Which, for guys like me and Cross, all of our you know all our radar went up immediately. So they've definitely scaled some things down, and they they've been changing some things around. I think it still has the potential to be pretty good, but it sounds it's starting to sound not in a good way, like uh, like dust of old, in terms of what they're what they're 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 going to put out now. Obviously, they're working with different hardware, and I think there's a lot of different capability. It's also a very different kind of game too. It is a third-person shooter game, not a first-person shooter game. So there's some mechanical differences there. Um, and but they have a lot of art. They'll do their Twitch streams every week. It's a it is a good-looking game. If you like 40K, you're probably going to end up playing it. Uh, and they are very, very well steeped into the lore. And they've actually got um, a couple of the very heavy-hitting fiction officer, authors for uh, Black Library working for them, doing all the lore background. Uh, like, literally, like New York Times bestseller author, authors are helping write the, the lore and the campaign background, which is very, very complex and very steeped into into the game uh, for Eternal Crusade. It looks good. Uh, it's got a lot of neat things that I'm, I'm personally excited about it, but just seeing this guy's track record with Defiance, which had all kinds of promise, but delivered on nothing. And then you see Dust, which had all kinds of promise and has 
not delivered on anything that the original regime set out to. You know, all the work Rattati's got aside from that. I, I, I would have wholeheartedly recommended folks uh, take a look at uh, take a look at this game, you know, a couple months ago. Now I'm a little bit cautious about it, so just kind of take that with a grain of salt. It's all those uh, early promises, man. It gets everyone. It got dust. It got, well, did, um, uh, you know, you're having these concerns with Eternal Crusade. Um, I know the Elite Dangerous folks are quite up in arms about things like single player no longer being an offline, uh, you know, a completely offline playable option. Um, Star Citizen, I'm, of course, a, a, a decent fan of and have given way more money than any sane person should. Not quite to Denny level of, of insane, but pretty bad. Um, but I'm fully aware the other shoe's going to drop one of these days. Um, it's just a matter of when and how. Yeah, no, and like I said, I, I think it's... Um, I, I've actually looked for more indie game developers because those are the guys that really... you know, The, the quality of the game will never be as polished as, as a major studio project, but you can get really, really innovative uh, in, in a, engaging and immersive gameplay out of some indie games. Uh, and that's really what Eternal Crusade felt like. And then the minute that large studios get involved or... You know, there you know things change dramatically, and you could kind of watch it happen. Uh, you've got the executive producer and the lead dev both both have moved on to other projects. Uh, you know, and, and that happens. That's okay. But it, it was definitely a different sort of tone. And if I wasn't as big of a 40k fanboy, I would probably be a little concerned right now. Yeah, I'll certainly keep an eye on it. It was something I've been looking at, but haven't been following. So. I know you and Cross spoke very highly of the project, but since you're showing concern, I might hold off and see where things actually go before I start jumping in the bandwagon. Yeah, and I think that's fair. You're not going to lose anything by waiting and seeing how it goes. Uh, you know, let, let let the beta happen and get some word word back. And I think it, trust me, I think it actually could turn out to be still quite good, uh, but it will definitely be a different style of game. I, I am still looking for. Um, you know, I, I have not yet found an FPS that stuck around long enough that really scratched the itch that I wanted in terms of what my desires for niche game is. But uh, I think it could be pretty good. All right, let's see. I think we've tapped out most of our topics. Uh, I would could, like to go ahead. We could talk about the uh, limitation that popped up on ISK trading and requiring loyalty rank four and the changes to that requirement. Now, yeah, that's actually a great, uh, great point there, Pokey. Now, I thought that w- when it came out, there was already a, a limitation. I mean, that was a known thing before it dropped, right? Well, so. Frame said they were tradable assets. He didn't specifically say items and not ISK. And so when the system came out and ISK was limited, he said, well, I said assets and ISK is an asset. So that's why it's in there. So I, I think the majority of people did not expect ISK to be part of it. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I, I didn't realize that that's what the issue was. I knew that the, that trading items, like rifles or whatever, uh, had a limitation. I didn't realize that they had put in an ISK, uh, an ISK band as well. That's pretty it's pretty draconian. Was there a reason for that, or was that like a boo-boo? Uh, Rattati responded and said that it was an attempt to uh, prevent ex- um, exploits, likely from, uh, I don't know, s- selling off assets or something for new characters. I'm, I'm not sure. There were obviously issues... Um, and so they wanted to add that limitation so you couldn't just drop into the game with a new character. And you, guys decided to tackle, you guys decided to tackle this one while I was AFK. Okay, very cool. Um, all right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so um, the loyalty rank requirement for ISK um, trading, yes. Um, that was apparently intentional. That was not something that the CPM was at all aware was going to happen. Um, it, it just it did. Um, so and now it's now it's down to two, but yeah, it's it's I guess it's a exploit prevention issue. Um, I assume because there even with the reduced value, there are still people doing um, uh, alt farming sorts of tactics, that sort of thing. Guilty is charged. So the reduction from loyalty rank four to two to unlock trading, is that for assets and ISK or just the yes. ISK? Currently there is no way to, apparently um, the loyalty rank requirement to trade um, refers to ISK and assets, and there is currently no code way to separate the two. Um, but they mentioned that they would like to look at being able to separate those in the future. Um, personally, I'm, you know, I was pretty not fond of even the loyalty rank requirement for asset trading being um, as high as it was, uh, namely four, um, because I don't think it should be something that should be gated out from new players. I think it's a huge, um, huge win for the community to have trading um, be a real thing and for it to be impacted by this this limit that you either have to have played a fairly significant amount or have spent money um, is kind of rough. Well, especially with the feature as core as trading, which is obviously common in most games as being a base feature, trying to hide that behind a paywall. I mean, the intention obviously wasn't to make it a paywall, but that's what it ends up being because getting to rank four is lengthy. Um, Rattati has said that it's easy to get there with normal play. I disagree. I know Kane Spiro has started a new alt, which he's going to be playing on. I think he, he's already given up, I think. He said he was thinking about giving up a few days ago, and I haven't heard any updates <laughs> since. Um, but he did give in. Yeah, I think he gave in and just like spent 10 bucks or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Kane. Kate, Kate, I, I've, I've referred to Kane, though, the other day. I, I like this phrase for Kane, um, since uh, um, he was the one who decided to... Um, test you know war barge um leveling mechanics and um with buying components and he spent like i think he did how, how much money did he spent bu- buying uh keys for strong boxes to see how their rate panned out for those and uh then he was going to do this manual loyalty rank leveling and i i'm referring to kane sparrow from now forward as uh, a masochist for science um he seems to be willing to to test things that no sane person would ever want to put themselves through um his wallet hates him but uh yeah i mean i i fully get the exploit bar i'm even i'm cool with people not being able to trade on day one they really shouldn't need to trade on day one they have nothing to trade but i don't think it should be more than you know two weeks of casual play you should be expecting to be able to trade i I would just can you i think if you can trade after the academy that would be legitimate, and then I would. And if anybody's got beef, I would. It's never bad to make the academy a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Something like that. It really should be enough to create an annoying effort if you're trying to exploit farm with the you know with alts. But it shouldn't be a oh god, I gotta unlock trading for someone who's actually playing the game. Well, and this, well, this kind of falls under one of those things where a new player comes in and they're expecting, okay, it's an MMO game, there are lots of players playing, I'm expecting a trade, and someone tells you, well, you can play the game for X number of months and unlock trading, or you can spend $20 and, and get it. And to a new player, that's going to 
really kind of tick them off. I mean, people are going to expect trading to be uh, something that they can obtain easily or have it built in. And I, I totally get the wanting to avoid the exploit thing. I, I, I get that. I'm not arguing against that. But for perception from new players, they're really going to dislike seeing that. I mean, it's very similar to when we had the uh, UVTs where you couldn't speak in a chat room. You had to buy an item yeah. to actually be able to talk. Oh, that's that, that's <laughs> the old times, man. Most well, of the people listening to this podcast probably don't even remember the, the UVT. Yeah, so, so for those of you who don't remember or weren't around for it, basically you had to buy an item which would allow you to have voice chat in chat channels that were outside of match. So you could still talk to people in match with your squad, with your team, whatever. But if you wanted to have a custom chat channel and you want to talk on it, you had to buy an item that would let you do it. And it was annoying as shit because you try to have a meeting with somebody and they couldn't participate unless they had this damn item and so now you're forcing them to basically spend money to get very basic features such as you know talking to each other and eventually they abolished it because it was bullshit and i I really feel like that this limitation on trading i I feel like that the way they they limited it is very similar to that where people are expecting very basic functions from a game and coming into it they're going to go i have to pay 20 bucks to get to rank four so i can you know trade items like seriously because the, the the amount of time necessary to get to that without spending money is so absurdly long that people aren't going to bother with it. And I think that sets a really bad tone and gives players that are new to the game have a really bad taste in their mouth over it. So the reduction to two is a little more reasonable. I honestly don't know how long it takes to get to two because you know, I've been around for a while. So and when, Kane probably won't make it to two, <laughs> so we won't know. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing is that when you you call Kane Damascus because he's testing this stuff because it's so painful to grind through without spending money, that tells you something right there that no one would actually want to do this without spending money because it's such a pain in the ass. So I think that's really I, bad. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be that guy, and I'm gonna. Do you remember all the drama that we had over the MC over the uh, the war barges like not too long ago? Like we've kind of moved on from that discussion, but that problem which is not dissimilar than what you're describing, is still there. That's yeah, totally. not fixed either. Yeah, and people will say, oh, well, it's not pay to win because, you know, you can earn it eventually. And it's like, well, okay, the, but if it takes months to get there or you can spend five bucks to get it now, that, you know, advantage right. of spending not, money is not not balanced. That's not okay. You know, right. it, no one a, is going to get to a comparable level without money. And the it, passive it, generation I, I don't... components too are still like really problematic. I mean, if we could somehow change the whole like produce isk x amount every day and like maybe switch that to like get x amount of extra isk at the end of a match, I mean that could kind of go a ways toward helping with this passive generation issue. That's probably the the, the cause for like putting a lot of this stuff behind a paywall. I mean, the UVT at least. Um... UVT had had an actual like solid reason for for uh, having a, a cost, and that's because they have a third party provider for voice services, um, which I, I think everybody should be publicly aware of. Um, and it's the same one that does Eve, and of course Eve players, um, uh, you know, they don't use it for a reason. Pay, they pay, well, no, they <laughs> well they 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 need the more complex channel management you get from a, a third party solution like uh, Mumble, which we're using now. Um, but, uh, no, is, is the thing is though, is that, uh, Eve players pay a subscription fee, which, you know, covers the sort of third party fees they may deal with, with a voice, you know, voice server. Um, but I, 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 I assume that the cost is because they have to pay for another company to do their voice. 
I would, uh, you know, I, I've thought about this many times in the past, uh, even though it, it would somewhat fly fly in the face of of what Dust has always been with a free-to-play game. I, I Because I'm a long-time EVE player, I'm very used to the idea of subscriptions. subscriptions. Uh, and other MMOs I've played in the past have all been subscription-based, so I'm, I'm somewhat inoculated to the idea. I, I would... If they would come up with like a, um, you know, some sort of not a subscription, but like, hey, here's a monthly fee of six or seven bucks or whatever it is, and then I get a, it's like running a perma booster, or you get like, you know, extra items, you know, like your your merc agent delivers you delivers you a box of weapon stash or something once a month or whatever the hell, I would consider doing that. Um, or that gives you, you know, instant access to, like, War Barge Level 2 and all this other, you know, drama. Uh, I think that there might be something to that. Uh, I know that that's also the least profitable model uh, because generally people will splurge by uh, on microtransaction games. And that's literally how they make money is on these sales spikes by individuals. Uh, it's not so much the a steady steady outlay of cost over time by large groups of, of people. So it would be interesting to see how that would work out. I mean, I, cause I would, I would much rather pay for that than going in and, you know, buying like this huge chunk of worm, you know, every six months or something like that. Yeah, I agree. And I think that uh, honestly companies probably get more money out of me from uh, annual subscriptions or monthly subscription just because I'm not always necessarily playing it, but I'm still paying for it. Like uh, I'll use Final Fantasy fourteen or even Eve for example, where I'm I'm probably not playing enough to actually make it be worth my money, but they're still getting it out of my paycheck every month. And I think that actually I make more money with a like an option at least for for a monthly package, we'll call it, uh, for items or whatnot, than they would if it just had people buying you know nickel and diming uh, for items and whatnot. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty fair, man. Uh, let's see. So I guess the real question is, are they going to do anything? So they're really not going to do anything to fix the level that you're the entry point for um, moving ISK and assets. Is that right, Zell? Um, well, you know, they've already re- reduced it from four to two, and they're talking about um, the wanting to revisit what is passively gained in the game in the future, and they want to separate to add the ability to specify different requirements for ISK and item trading in the future as well, um, and to potentially revisit the um, uh, loyalty rank requirement numbers in question down the road. So, okay. they're, yeah, they're, they're, the current solution is not necessarily final. Is uh, And you may or may not have anything on this one, but are they going to do any more passes on the war barge itself? Uh, I don't have anything up on that. I, I mean, I would like to see the existing passes replaced by something more, you know, down the road. I, I mean, I, I I think we end up with a lot of passive gains because passive gains are very easy to code. Um, and I think in some cases it's it's just, you know, the different things that they're trying to get done um, don't leave enough room to develop really, really robust um, systems in some cases. Um, but yeah, I'd hope, I, I'd like to see them do more with that. Um one of the things that I particularly mentioned, um, I don't know if we'll get any traction with it, but uh, their their post in regards to the loyalty rank uh, requirements for 
trading specifically mentioned the opinion the statement that loyalty rank is shared between alt characters on an account and that people should be using those if they have legitimate purposes um i did point out to ccp that one of the issues with that is that um uh, you know you only get passive isk or passive not passive isk passive sp on a single character um and that you know while you can add boosters and stuff you get that that free passive uh, SP on only one character, and you can get that on as many PSN accounts as you want for free. Um, and that they could make that work much better if they were to do something like, uh, you know, allow that to apply to all characters on an account. Um, so I did bring that up. I don't know if we'll get anywhere with it, but it's just something that I I, I pushed at as, as a point based on their post. Well, that's fair. Um, okay. So anybody else got any random topics they want to throw on the table? Awesome. All right, so we are going to go ahead and roll right into shout-outs, guys. Uh, and we're going to start at the top and work our way down. Uh, so, Bate, you're going to be up first for shout-outs, brother. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to Demonic Cowboys uh, Corporation. Um, uh, let's see. would also like to give a, a shout-out again uh, from last week to the Game Society Pimps. Uh, love those Christopher Walken throughs. <laughs> okay. Uh, J-Dick. All right. I want to give a shout out to Cat Merck for his Cards Against Humanity uh, yeah, Dust 514 edition. That was really fun. Really I was fun. playing I was that earlier with Bait and Hinox and Cat Merck, and we were just having a blast. That's, That's legit. legit. <laughs> it was really good. Highly encourage getting in on that if you can. Oh, that could be that could be a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, Pokey. Uh, shout out to my mom. It is Mother's Day, if people hopefully remembered, uh, for putting up with me and rolling her eyes when I tell her that we have to wait on dinner because I have to do a podcast for a video game. So shout out to my mom. Awesome. And Soraya. Um, I'm going to give my shout out to um, Awa Bait for um, ensuring that we have uh, people who write for our blog that aren't the editors for the blog. Um, I, I, I do really appreciate that. It makes us look like 10 times less, you know, like back of a truck grade professional. So um, I appreciate it. Your articles are awesome. Thank you very much. Um, They're not awesome, but thank you. They are pretty good. Uh, okay. okay so, so for shout outs, uh, I'm Jason Larson, and I'm going to throw a couple, three shout outs out there. Uh, one to my mom, because it is Mother's Day, and the second to my wife, Heather, uh, who has done an incredible job of being a mom to our six-year-old son. Uh, so that's a that's massive, uh, massive props to them. And, and the fact that she also lets me do podcasting on Sunday night when normally I would be uh, you know, putting our kid to bed and stuff like that. So uh, appreciate that. Uh, I would also give a shout out to the entire crew that's been together, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think we talked a little bit about it earlier, but Age of Ultron, really good flick. Highly recommend it to uh, everybody to check out. However, I will have to tell you that that is going to have some serious competition when uh, you know the Dawn of Justice comes out, i.e. Batman vs. Superman. I think it's <laughs> interesting. It'll fall and, flat on its face when that movie comes out. And I would tell you that all of them should be quaking in their collective boots come February 16 when Deadpool comes out because that will quite literally set the the industry standard for comic book superhero movies just throwing it out there really now you are backing a lot of you that's that is a lot to set on Ryan Reynolds shoulders I'm just saying 
Uh, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's no different than how much money you spent on Star Citizen, yo. All right. Um, okay, guys, we're going to go ahead and land the plane on this one tonight. Uh, again, we really appreciate you joining us. A little bit disjointed, but we had, had a good uh, good chat about some different uh, different topics here and there. And actually, um, Zell, if you can, maybe you could give us like a full full Monty rundown, like uh, you know, five-minute rundown of your Heroes of the Storm game next week. Would that be okay? I, I, I just, it's a game. I play it occasionally. It's kind of fun. Um, you know, I, okay. I'm, I'm trying to help us out here because I don't really want to Google it. I just want you to explain it to me. Then I will determine if it's good enough for me to Google it and then play it. That's okay. I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, you value my opinion so much that it determines I, whether or not you Google something. I, but the, the bar is pretty low to Google shit. I can just tell Siri and she, she finds it. So, Hey, well, is there, is there PVP in that game? Uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, if you if you heard of League of Legends out of curiosity, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. it's it's very similar except Blizzard makes it and it doesn't suck. Um, so, I, so do you do you PvP in the game? I, I do. It's the only way. You, I mean, unless you're playing like against, I, I guess you can play against you bots. You can play against bots. A, yeah, but it's a, it's a PvP game at its core. Um, okay, all right. As long as I get to like stab you in the face with some sort of like mystical like spear of ass whipping plus yeah, three. Yeah, I've got a I've got a beta key if you want it. Oh yeah, it's, it's yeah. I might actually yeah. Let me let me check, man. I'll, I'll we'll talk to you. I'll talk to you off air about it real quick. But yeah, no, I appreciate that. So um, okay, guys. Well, on that note, we are gonna before we go into another rabbit hole tangent, we're gonna go ahead and call the show to a close. And so good night and good luck, folks.